L-C. Yeah! When that speaking spell voice hits your ears, you know it's time to begin, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to E-L-C. Woo! Especially if you are one of our geeks in space using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Hey, maybe you are sitting in traffic. Maybe you're just sitting in your room listening to us on the cool earphones. Whatever the case, we're going to be in those ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you out of the goodness of their hearts, out of the generosity, out of their desire to see it continue. They bring the show to you. Who are these people? And in return, they get some cool stuff, including they get ad-free episodes. They get video versions on demand of the show and they get bonus content, more show. That's right. They get our Spoiler chats. They get the feeling this show. Christian Spicer and Alex Solomon talk about the feelings behind video games. Season one in the can, ready for your enjoyment. Season two coming soon. And every Wednesday, paid DLC with Lana Bashinsky, Christian Spicer, and myself. Uh, it's a it's a laugh riot. It's a good time. It's a crazy, wacky, fun show you do not want to miss. And you can check it out by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, the, the main show, DLC is the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. The spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's uh, going to be where I'm going. I'm going to Southern California, and he's there. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Tell me what it's like. What do I expect? Is it raining? It, it is. It, I think the first half of your week is going to be raining. It is actively raining right now here. Going to be where you are. I am I am where you're going to be. That's right. Like I'm You're not- where I'm going to be. You are where I was and where I will be, but where I'm not Always currently. in your heart. Always in yeah. your heart. Always, always on my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, it I'm is, it is I'm rainy. I'm California. Yeah, but I'm excited to have you back. We're going to put our best fires forward and, uh, you know, welcome you home with open uh, hellscape. <laughs> I, I've, I've never experienced rain. Until I lived there for 20 years. I never experienced rain once. Now, I'm, now I leave for two minutes and it, all the rain happens. So I'm very excited to see rain. Uh, <laughs> Um, going to Disneyland with the family. It's going to be fun. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, we have a big show for you this week. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm excited because DLC stands for direction, leadership, and consultation. Because from the Honey Bee Rodeo, oh, wow. we have John E. Warren joining us for the first time. Hello, John. Hi, wow. Hey, Jeff, I, this is the first time we're meeting. This energy is in, insane on a Sunday night. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm winding. Obnoxious is I'm the winding, word. No, no, no. No, it's great <laughs> because I'm, I was kind of winding down my day. I've had a beer. I've like, I've eaten too much like, <laughs> like you do on a Sunday. 
And I was like, how am I going to get through the show? I mean, it's so late where I am. I'm in central time zone. And it's like, no, I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm good to go. We ninety I'm glad minutes. To hear let's that. go. Let's go 180. Let's do it. Yeah, well, we need you. We need you, John. We need you right. in that on that I'm wall. Here. Thank you. Um the first thing we need you for, honestly, I want to know Honeybee Rodeo, uh, game consultation, production management. Tell me what you do. Uh yeah, wh- so what I, is I, that? I was I was the head of media at a place called Fanbyte, um, which, you know, media company did a lot of podcasting, did a lot of media coverage. But I'm also uh, a game dev and I've been in games for 12 years now, which is like, God, when you say stuff like that out loud now, like <laughs> I'm, I'm rounding the bases in my 30s and I'm looking back and going, wow, having 12 years of experience doing anything is kind of scary. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> like I, I consult on a bunch of different projects right now. Um, None of which I can talk about, which is which feels very <laughs> strange. But uh, show's over, John. Never mind. You're out of here. We <laughs> I, I know. I, I can't. I can't believe it. But it's like I I do a lot of consulting for game projects and things like that. But I also run. I also have my own podcast, and I I still do media stuff on the side. So I'm kind of I'm kind of everywhere. Uh, I'm awesome right now. Just spread. Well, we're glad you're here. Unbelievably That's the most thin. important part. I'm glad I'm yeah. here too. Thanks. Said it before, and certainly talked with Ka, and you know it, John. But I was a big fan of what you all were doing over there, Thanks. and I'm yeah, super we, excited to have you on DLC with us. We today. had a good thing going. I appreciate the invite. Well, let's get into it then. Let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments, questions, suggestions, recommendations, praise, whatever you'd like to dlcfeedback (laughs) at gmail.com. That's our email address. We love hearing from you. You The praise you can send. Sorry, just real quick, Jeff. Sorry to interrupt. The praise you can send to... um, Please send it to my wife. Um, maybe just like <laughs> at her place of work. Just show up and be like, hey, um, your wife's your like, husband's I got, podcast. I got six more emails about how great Jeff is today. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, babe, uh, a lot of emails. I had a busy day. Sorry I'm late. A lot of emails about how great your guest was this week. Um, <laughs> still nothing on you. But, still nothing uh, on you, but I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I get one. Uh, anyway, we also have, you know, if you don't want to just uh, email uh, Christian's wife directly, we also have forums and uh, great communities you can take part in. The Discord is 5x5DLC on Discord, and our subreddit is 5x5DLC.reddit.com. Great places, great people. Check them out. Uh, and, you know, before we get into it, um, you know, John, this is the part where I, I you know, we, we each pick a, a story of the week. But yeah, something happened this week that, you know, is is quite sad. And we wanted to to note and uh, and reflect on here at the top of the show. And that is the passing of Lance Reddick, the actor at the extremely young age of 60. I just it's extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily young and sad. Uh, yeah. Lance Reddick, um, of course. We know from the big screen and the small screen, The Wire, um, the John Wick films, uh, so many awesome, uh, awesome film appearances. But also, by all accounts, a, a big gamer and an actual fan of video games so much that he kind of directed his career into doing a lot more video game stuff, including playing Zavala in Destiny 2 and um, playing in the in the Horizon series as well. Um 
such a sad bit of news this week. I know you wanted to, to mention it, John, uh, the, the sad passing of Lance Reddick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, this was just kind of a, a shocking uh, turn of events. I mean, he's doing press junket work for John Wick 4 right now, which comes out, what, next week on, on Friday. So it's, or this week, I guess. And and it's just uh, um, so unbelievably sad. He seemed like such a good dude. Uh, he would just often uh, just make like videos, little TikToks and things like that. And they seem so I don't know, normal, like he seems so approachable and cool. And, um, I, you know, one thing that I, I really admired about him is that no matter the project, if, if it was 50 cent blood in the sand or uh, some bad guest spot on a t- bad TV show or a movie that everyone really likes, it's like he brought, he brought it to like everything. Like he gave his all. He was on an, an appearance on Eric Andre show, which is like completely unforgettable. And it's like, this dude was just amazing. And um, I just, everyone being devastated, just loudly devastated by it, I think shows how beloved he was. Um, And all of his peers said unbelievably nice things about him. So yeah, this was just a super sad, sudden thing that um, I don't think anyone expected. So. Yeah, it's, it is, it is quite sad. And as I said, so young, I mean, 60 just seems so young, Um, but you know, condolences to him and his family. And I know, uh, we in the gaming community, the, the the geek culture, we you know he, in so many big films and and TV shows that resonate uh, with our subgenres, right. um, he will be missed. It's a sad, sad thing. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of times some folks jumping in to like, oh, I like games. I'm hip to kids. Let me have a Twitch or whatever. And yeah. like, Jeff, you and I, I think you were there with me. We met him in only probably like 90 seconds, but at the Destiny two launch event which he was not a part of like he was not they did not Bungie did not have him there to bring him out on stage and be like everyone he was just there right in a cap as a fan hanging out meeting people and talking about how excited he was about, about the game and um he, yeah it, it I feel like living in LA is weird because you see celebrities and obviously people die all the time but right um this one was a this one was a a, a punch um i agree uh, yeah so young and and like you said so front and center right now destiny 2 light uh you know Lightbringer had just come out light bringer light fall light fall excuse me that's all right uh yeah destiny 2 Lightfall had just come out he's you know obviously in the, those cinematics i had just seen john wick 4 uh, a few days ago right. uh it's awesome and he's awesome in it again um and uh you know, it's just, it's just, it's just really a shocker because he'd been so active and, um, you know, in the, in his prime, he, he was not, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not an old man by yeah. any stretch. It felt like he was kind of getting started. I mean, we had watched him in the wire. This was you know, 20 years ago, almost at this point, but it's yeah. like, it felt like he was hitting the zeitgeist around now, which is like, it's just, a, you know, it's like, whatever, don't measure someone's value by their career tra- trajectory, obviously, but it's like. It felt like we were just kind of getting to know this guy. And it's just really sad, um, sad. that this happened. Yeah. Uh, it, I thought it was lovely that, you know, a bunch of players uh, commemorated him in game in Destiny 2. I thought that was lovely. Yeah. Um, they're he still will be doing missed. it too. Like, even as of this afternoon, it's it's amazing. And he was playing Destiny like the, yeah. the, the day before he died, according to his account or whatever. So it's like this guy was just, he, he seemed to really love the stuff he did, which is uh, infectious. So. 
All right. Well, moving on from that, as you know, it's hard to, to pivot from sad news, but uh, John, you are our guest. So you get first pick of, of stories and story of the week. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I, you know, I'm I'm such a sucker for this Activision Blizzard uh, uh, merger <laughs> with yeah. Microsoft thing. Like every single time, I mean, I've been kind of obsessed with it for you know what 24 months now. And it's the gift that keeps I, on giving. <laughs> it really is, and it's like obviously we have easy ways to segue into the Diablo Four stuff, which is really exciting. But I kind of want to focus on just you know the idea that okay um sony's worried because you know starfield is this exclusive now they're kind of using that to to med you know to 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 show that they're gonna you know screw them on this call of duty deal and <laughs> i think there are, i think there are so many facets to the story i think there are you know we have lulu chang Maservi over at activision blizzard who has this beautiful poster soul and is just posting these obnoxious memes about sony constantly this is just it's going to play out in public like this for the next year um and i don't know i i think these are two kind of separate ideas the starfield and the call of duty thing um it would seem awfully expensive for microsoft to um develop a worse version of call of duty for playstation like that would seem like a very expensive bizarre thing to actually do but the Starfield thing is like a legitimate concern, I think, for Sony to look at. Oh, like, oh, they certainly wouldn't put a Bethesda product just on on uh, on Xbox systems. And it's like, no, they would. Like, they've built this entire architecture around kind of the idea that Game Pass is the way to get. They made this massive, almost metaverse meta bet on Xbox Game Pass. And they've got to see it through, I feel like. So... You know, to me, if I'm Sony, I am looking at the, that exclusive thing and going, "Ooh, wow, this Activision Blizzard stuff might end up being exclusive to some extent, like Diablo 4. We'll see. But I don't know if I really buy into the idea that Starfield would show that the Call of Duty thing is a reasonable fear to have. I don't know what y'all think, but. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's interesting. I, the, like you said, this this story has has given us so many interesting <laughs> nuggets. It does yeah. feel like two two siblings squabbling to mom and dad about you know if you let Tommy have my toys, then I'm not going to get to play anything. And you know it's, it it does feel a bit like that. But it is boy, it is fun to watch. Uh, and as you said, Sony made a statement uh, saying how hey, uh, remember how Microsoft was like hey we will acquire. Uh, Bethesda and 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 make Zenimax games. There, we have quote no incentive to cease <laughs> or limit making Zenimax games available for purchase on rival consoles. And then, like a few months later, like oh yeah, no, no, we're not going to let those games be purchasable on rival consoles. No way. <laughs> yep. No, 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 no. No uh, incentive. Over, over but here's a stack of business reasons. These are business. <laughs> reasons. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah. I think this is actually a pretty darn good point. It's a it's a pretty strong point. Uh, the uh, the point that Sony made <laughs> that seems a little more uh, let's say uh, a conspiracy theory or a little little crazy pants little uh, little tinfoil hat is like yeah. hey guess what Microsoft could release an unoptimized version on of Call of Duty on on our console it just completely undermining us because it will it will be terrible and they'll just it'll just make us look bad which is like. I mean, maybe they would do that, but that seems a little nuts. I mean, uh, what's the me. end game, right? Like, if they sign this 10-year deal with Nintendo and these other places to release Call of Duty on it, are they going to get to year two and all these people are going to get together and go, like, all of our versions are worse than the Microsoft version? Like, 
I'm not the lawyer on this call, but it's like that feels like a lot of red tape and legal yeah. battle that feels and, and and contractual vagueness that feels just like not not the direction right like i i feel like the, there is a real good faith attempt to say call of duty is on all these consoles we're not going to pull it out where something like elder scrolls or starfield bethesda it's like todd howard he can't release a game but within five years to save his life he has to release the same one 20 times in that five-year span right so it's like like i don't i don't buy it for starfield and stuff like that i kind of get why they would have these like once in a blue moon exclusives but for call of duty which is a yearly thing i don't see the incentive to say we're going to make this game worse but my favorite subplot of this whole thing is sony kind of in the corner going like i'm just a little guy i'm just a little guy if they (laughs) if 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 microsoft does all this like we're just little guys and it's like y'all still have (laughs) a really massive advantage in this console market right now so it's like it's it's kind of a silly hilarious thing to see this massive corporation be like oh we're just the underdogs yeah here. we've we've you only know. sold tens of millions more units than they have what, what, what are we to do you know, uh, yeah but it, you know it's interesting i i do think there is a plausible reality where you know call of duty comes out on switch and it is terrible sure uh, yeah. you know and i think i but i it's hard for me to think that that's the calculus that Microsoft is making is like, right. oh yes, we'll put it on the, on the other consoles. Yes, but it will right. be bad. It will right. be so bad. Right. Uh, that it's hard for me to think that that because it's like, if they're gonna put it on the consoles any uh, other consoles anyway, they're still gonna make money from those sales. Sure, it's not like they're giving some gift of charity to these these other platform holders. Right. And Christian, and I've always and I've always thought there was this kind of like weird competitive advantage to being like. Oh yeah, you bought that Sony game, but look what's on the box. You know, I'm buying I'm buying a PlayStation game with Microsoft on it. Like there yeah. is this kind of hearts and minds like awareness thing of if you slap your logo on one of the biggest third party titles of the year, like there there that does I Phil Spencer isn't going to look at that and go like, "No, nah, I don't want that." You know, so yeah. I don't know. He would rather people sign up for Xbox Game Pass and get it there, but like I don't know. I I see a benefit to having some of these big 30 third party party titles going everywhere. Well, the European commission, which has been the one that, that has uh, kind of signaled that they will be the, the toughest hump to, uh, to get over in this, in this, uh, you know, global deal uh, has delayed their decision. Uh, It was going to be in April. Now the decision has been pushed back to May 22nd, uh, still well before the June uh, target date that Microsoft was hoping for. But Christian, what do you make of this? I mean, I kind of think this is this Starfield example is a pretty strong point to make. It's like literally, hey, this happened before everybody. Uh, Do you think that this is going to get some traction uh, on Sony's side here? To answer that question, no, I don't. Um, I do like thinking that when Sony was arguing that Microsoft would sabotage Call of Duty, Sony was like, I mean, have you seen the version of MLB The Show we release on Switch? <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, it's, it's a full game, but like we, Project Make It Worse team, skunk team over there, good job. Um, no, I don't, I don't think this is going to change anything. It's this thing of contracts, right? Like, oh, we'll give it to you for 10 years. Is it going to eventually be exclusive? Pro- probably. probably. Our, our version is yeah. going to be worse. You mean like Microsoft's has been for the last 10 years? 
because mm. of that exclusivi- exclusivity agreement you signed with Activision to get exclusive stuff for your stuff. I, I feel like I, I say yeah. this tongue in cheek, but I also kind of believe it. Like, I feel like the European Commission was like, everybody's paying attention to what we say. Let's push <laughs> this out a month. This feels pretty good. I love like, the attention. Yeah. They know it's yeah. they know it's a circus, so it's like uh, let's let's just drag it out. Why not? Because yeah. there was did we talk about this last week, Jeff? I, there was uh, someone at Sony, head of Sony, someone at Sony. I don't have it pulled up, but there straight up is like a, a commentary of them saying like, "No, we're just trying to ruin it for Microsoft." Like they they know they know it's like yeah yeah yeah. Of course, I, know, I, I get what we're doing, but like also, but it is it is wild. The Starfield one feels very to put a bow on it for kind of my thoughts this week feels like very late in the game to call that one out because that has been a thing for over a year a now. And yeah. like even Sony didn't think this was their strongest argument. They're like, well, but, but also that come on, oh, <laughs> come, come on. Oh man. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody seems to think this is, this is a, a done deal anyway. It's just, uh, just dotting the T's and crossing the I's, you know, but um it's making my eyes cross at least uh the the <laughs> the uh the the details of it are, are are very fun and and ridiculous but you know microsoft has had to concede quite a bit already so maybe there will yeah. be more concession I, I do think if this all happens by june it would be awesome to have you know phil spencer walk on stage at their e3 timed event their you know xbox thing and be like we got Blizzard, everybody. We got Call of Duty. Pew, 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 pew. Big, big, big George W. Bush mission accomplished behind him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right, Christian, what is your story of the week? I'm going to continue on with uh, another continuing story. I think it was last week, two weeks ago, we talked about the shakeup at Square Enix or the coming shakeup at Square Enix where the board was like, hey, we recommend this person's out of here and this new person comes on in. We talked about how that new person was still, you know, gung-ho behind NFT and Web3 and, you know, all the things that make games better. (laughs) But now... Now we're getting some public acknowledgement of Square Enix's NFT game, uh, Symbiogenesis. Symbios. Symbiogenesis. 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 That is it. Um, Related to the Diofield Chronicle. Those are two different diseases that you can get. Different. Different. Oh, man. I got. I got symbiogenesis. Oh, sweet. You got the pre-order? No, no, no. My doctor told me I have symbiogenesis. <laughs> oh, did yours come with a JPEG of a hat put on top of the other JPEG of the guy with hair? Yeah, that that's the one I got. That's the no, one I it, got. No, it came with a rash. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is their NFT game that they have now announced publicly with like a sizzle teaser trailer that doesn't say or sizzle or tease much. But I think perhaps for me more interesting is some of the stuff that's come out um, of like presentations, internal presentations that they've themselves have given out that have been now shared. And there is a slide, there's a thread on reset error. I could, I mean, there's a Google drive link that has the whole presentation, but there is a slide that shows the flow of the game of what this game's um, player flow is. And it is something straight out of a parody of like, 
person goes here, monetize here, push them back to here. If they don't monetize here, take them to here, which leads them to monetization. For monetization, <laughs> we reward them with the idea of future monetization, which will unlock a level eight world that's only available without if you further monetize. If you don't monetize in that area, you get this area, which gives you an exclusive reward and a chance to monetize. And it's just like <laughs> this dystopian hellscape that I feel like any hero of any Square Enix game, that'd be the that 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 graph would be the big villain, you know, like we have to take down this monetization funnel, but it, it, it it's real. It seems, it seems real. And right. I, and they've also, what I've joked about to say to listeners, they have released some images of some of the NFTs or the characters, like over 20,000 unique characters. And it, it, at least what they're showing right now really looks like here's Jeff. Here's Jeff with a hat on, except Jeff with the hat on, is the same picture of Jeff just with the hat taped on him. Like there's no, <laughs> there's not new art. It, I don't. I, That's how I wear hats. I don't know if you know, I just tape them <laughs> to my head. Right. So it's accurate. It's accurate <laughs> is what I'm saying. John, I mean, my question to you, maybe I'll open it all the way up. Maybe I'll open it all the way up to just broad NFT. We don't need to go that big, but like, is there a nut to crack here for square with this game? I'll rein the focus in like, Everything I've seen about this game hasn't told me anything about the game other than that no. they want to monetize the three of us. But is there a there there? Are they going to do it? Is this the one? Well, the the to me, the audience of these kind of Web3 NFT experiments um, doesn't exist in the timelines that the three of us like hang out in. Like, I, I just like these NFT projects and, and these Web3 projects. And I think Web3 has has more legs than nft stuff i think these things are related but i i think like when you talk about web3 and metaverse stuff like i think meta took a really big hit with their multi-billion dollar uh investment in that stuff like that stuff is just like clown shoes level bad looking stuff but you but, can like, buy web a variety of different clown shoes and each one can be good <laughs> on your character exactly but it's like like web3 i i kind of still get why boardrooms are interested in this the nft thing specifically is unbelievable and it's like even this week like personal hero yu suzuki creator of virtual fighter is now getting into nft space and i'm just kind of like every time i think we're kind of cresting the hill of getting over the nft thing a childhood hero comes in and he's like hey i'm making nfts now and i'm like oh my god like how how late to the party are you and do we actually think there's still an audience for this I don't know who the audience is for this game. Getting back to your specific question, I have no idea. Even the art for this game looks AI generated. It looks awful. Sorry. I, if you made that art, I apologize. You were under duress. But it's like you have hair clipping through headphones and hats. It's very strange. It looks all modular. It's very strange. Very, very odd. This, I don't know what the game is exactly. Like you said, Christian, um, all we know is that what the monetization funnel looks like, which by the way, if you go to like a psychology textbook and look up addiction mechanics, like you'll see that <laughs> you'll see that chart. And I'm not joking. Like, it's like, th no, this is it's just that a, chart. It's that chart with a hat taped on it. Like it's with, a different... that, with a hat taped on it. And, and I'm not kidding. It's like, oh, when you really, and... when you follow this stuff down, it's like, no, they've, they've just hired people to figure out what addiction looks like. And they've put it in a chart and they've sold it to their board to say, Hey, we're going to invest in this to basically get people addicted. And mobile games have been doing this for a long time with free to play models, but they like, they're more secretive about it. I, and, and I guess, but it's like, 
NFT folks are just being more open about it. And in a way, I guess I admire that because at least they're just telling you what they want. But I don't know who the audience is. I have no idea what this is or who wants it. So I guess I have to be the guy that. No, you don't. Oh, you don't have to be devil's advocate, but I would love to hear it. <laughs> I kind of I kind of feel like I had I have to. Um, Let's do it. Anytime somebody's dancing on the grave of something prematurely, I get a little weirded out. The, sure. Reading the Kotaku article about this, it like made me want to vomit. Like the, the, the like the snark and the smugness and the like, well, doing this after the ass fell out of the NFT market. It's like, just, just stop, Kotaku well, that's, writer. That's stop. commentary. That's it's not so gross. But that's hey, not reality. Okay. That doesn't need to be so, our commentary on it. So either. here's my devil's advocate for, for, the actual thing we saw i don't know the details of how that you know google drive presentation came out but i suspect it was not intended for our eyeballs right it doesn't make it better it's still it's still kind of gross but it doesn't necessarily mean that's the only frame through which this game has been relayed to its team internally you know, there may be an, another awesome presentation that it's like about all the cool gaming stuff that you would want about how the characters go for, you know, I'm trying to say that it's easy to form an opinion from the outside looking in based on leaked information. And it, that may be an accurate opinion. It may be a, a, a very, uh, a very cynical project uh, that's trying to rip money out of people's fingertips. And there are a lot of games like that. I would like to believe that Square Enix wouldn't engage in something quite as crass and that there's actually a game there and there's actually something interesting. We just haven't seen it yet. As we've all said, we haven't seen anything about this. We don't know what it is. So right. I will would rather refrain from judging it until I know what it is. It may end up being exactly what you guys are describing. I just don't know that it is 100% yet. And I also am Pollyanna enough to think that the technology that is NFT, while heretofore used in some very, very not great ways and uh, has been the heart of a lot of scams and a lot of bad actors and a lot right. of just, it, it, is, it is problematic on a number of levels. The technology itself, I believe, could potentially have some application. And I don't think that right. like the joy and the glee with which the internet and especially gaming culture is like the schadenfreude of, of seeing NFT companies fail. Like I get it. There's a lot of bad actors in that space. And I, I enjoy when bad actors fail also, but right. it reminds, I've, I've just seen it too many times when the gaming culture has decided something is evil, like having an always on connection or being forced to go from 56k baud modems to to uh high speed broadband oh get my pitchforks i'll never go broadband they said when the x the first xbox was released and didn't have right. a 56k modem in it like i've just i've been around long enough to know that when the frothing masses decide that something is the enemy i get a little skeptical that hey maybe they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater here i'm willing to be wrong on this one i'm willing you know if nfts are concentrated evil i don't believe they are but right if they are then i hope that bears out and i 
I, you know, I will judge each application independently rather than judging the technology because the technology isn't evil. It, it's actually comes from a pretty interesting place of saying, Hey, right. ownership, the next level of the, of the, the internet being ownership for the individual. I think that's a pretty interesting idea actually. Um, so that's my devil's advocate, I guess. I, I think, so I think the modem thing is different. I, I hear what you're saying, but I think that's different. I, I, I hear, I think your larger point of like, yes, oftentimes, especially uh, very online cultures, like the gaming culture often is, it, there does seem to be a masses um, and that masses can feel even bigger because of the isolated nature of the bubble of the community that of the things that people tend to see. I think I think the the modem thing is different, and I can get to that. Or maybe it's, re- it's related to this this other point. I feel like there might be a decent game here that Square is making, and there might be another slide that is all this awesome gameplay stuff they want to do. Sure. And I would love to be wrong here with what I'm about to say now. What I don't think there is is that there is an awesome gameplay slide that adding this monetization funnel addiction slide on top of makes better. <laughs> right. Nothing no, about I, I taking. And the, so to bring it back to the modem thing, I do think there is a slide that says this broadband slide will make everything better. It's going to be a hard transition, but here's why it gets better because we have to force this transition. And I don't think there was a slide of Microsoft saying, and we own the spec for broadband and we'll get all of the, like, and so, and, and maybe I will, I will say maybe there is an NFT world that is valuable and it'll probably be called something else because of the stink around NFT, but the idea of web ownership or whatever, but it's been a bit now. And every time people, in my opinion, try to run it out as the thing. They don't have the other side of the thing yet. I've yet to see that cool gameplay slide. I agree. And I feel like I that's why I that. sit here and just like. I disagree. I, I don't disagree with that, but I'm, but I'm saying just because I just don't think we can assume and you know, Hey, you, you may end up being right on this case with this, with this particular project. Um, I'm just not willing to judge prima. I'm trying to hold myself back from yeah judging prematurely. That's all. I, I get that. I, I think I would have like two two small counterpoints. One would maybe be, yes, the frothing masses can get maybe a little tiresome, but has it ever occurred to anyone that maybe the frothing masses maybe understand the markets better than people think? Because like the NFT market really did, the bottom really did fall out of that. That's not because the frothing masses said it was going to. It's because there wasn't any value there. It's because the market decided that there wasn't value there. If we're going to have a free market system here in this country, which like, whatever, we're not going to get into that on a Sunday night. We'll assume that but for this. Different show. With different show. But it's like, if we're going to have a free market, when the market does bottom out of something, it is kind of silly to look at it and go like, well, but they just ha- they just don't understand it yet. I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know if the, I, I believe that. We're, we're going to talk about VR, but it's like, I still don't know what the VR market is like I, and we're, and we're many years into the second wave of VR. And so it's like the NFT market stuff still doesn't make sense to me because the bottom has fallen out of almost every single one that started. My other point would be if Square Enix really believed in this, you know what they would do? They would attach it to games that people are already addicted to like Final Fantasy 14. If they went in and they went into Final Fantasy 14, a game that they've already built this addiction model into and actually 
and and there's so much goodwill attached to this game that I don't even think adding NFT BS to it. <laughs> they could, could actually squander that it. goodwill in one fell swoop. They, they, they <laughs> could try, but I still don't think they would. I really, I genuinely believe that there's a big community there that I don't think would totally go away if they tried. If they really believed in it. They would do something like that. They would attach it to a major franchise, but they won't do it. And do you know why? Because they don't understand the technology. They don't understand how best to use it yet. And people in the boardroom are telling them it's a great idea, but none of them understand it. None of them understand it. And to me, every single implementation that we've seen of these, these, you know, these, these web ownership things, this Web3 stuff, blockchain, NFT stuff, it comes from a place of, knowing you can cash in on something, but not understanding the value of that thing at all. Um, That's not wrong. You, you are, yeah. you are correct. My, my, my only pushback is that, you know, with your, you know, with the, the free market examples and the, and the market has sure. determined is that, you know, history is replete with example after example, after example of the first guy to get there, the second guy to get there, the third guy to get there. It, it didn't sure. happen for any of those we, guys. And yeah, then we we the had fourth the Apple Newton. There. We had the Plus, Apple Newton. Exactly. We had exactly. a BlackBerry, and then we, over, yeah, over, I, I get it. Especially sure. in the technology space, right? Right. So just because nobody has done it yet doesn't mean nobody can do it. And I think that that that's the only part of this that I, you know, it, it, I talked about the fifty six k modem. That's way ancient history, but. You know, I was we about had, to say is this a, that we mentioned fifty six k modem and Apple Newton. That has to be like I know. the first time anyone's <laughs> old dropped. guys being old, old, yeah, old, um, old heads, but, old heads you know, show. I, there's the the the, the <laughs> wonderful uh, you know zing uh, thing of the uh, you know uh, Ueda was it who was it the uh, handing the disc. You know, like, sure. look, how do I share sure. content with my friend? Handing right. the disc, like, sure. and guess what? Right. Nobody does that anymore. Right. Right. Sure. So. Who was right? Who turned out to be right? And that, and all the people were dancing on the graves going, yes, yeah, pull back <laughs> Xbox One. You don't get to be always on. Yeah, and I was right. like, now everything's always on and nobody cares right. because that was the way that things were going anyway. And somebody figured out how to do it in a way that's not offensive and not problematic and blah, blah, blah. And yes, right. there are still problems with that, so don't save your emails. But I'm just saying uh, that... Can I say my email then if I have to? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I have seen the pattern over and over and over where it's like, new thing. We hate that. We conquered it. And then new thing comes back and it's like, oh, no, we love that. That's great. I, you know, I, I think being uncurious about new tech is, is, a, is a silly and dangerous thing to do. I, I agree with that. And I've seen a lot of like uncuriousness that i think doesn't um doesn't actually lend itself well to like understanding things and also like engaging with things in good faith like i think nfts and the way that web3 has been uh kind of unloaded is a grifters market it's like replete with like total grifters and bad actors and a lot of stuff and i do think there is a inherent nature to the way that those markets have grown and it's mostly from like tech circles and things like that, that they, there is a predatory nature to the, the sectors that these things are coming from. Right. But I also think being uncurious about it is to everyone's peril. Like, I think like we need to engage with it in some amount of good faith to understand it at the very least before we dismiss something. And I do think there are people that don't do that, but I still think most people that do do that are coming to the same conclusion of like 
I don't think anybody knows what this is yet. I think the people trying to like sell us on games that have NFTs in it, they don't know what that means or they cannot illustrate the value to us yet. So it's like, yeah, I don't disagree. Maybe it'll that. get there, but it's but it but it's not there yet. I don't disagree with any of that, and I don't want. I, I know I'm going to get all the emails from people saying I'm I'm so so wrong, and I'm I'm siding so. with the grifters. So, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I. I I, I, I want to be clear you're speaking, that you're speaking I be, to being curious about tech and not necessarily dismissive yes. of everything that comes on. Yes, that's accurate. And and you are absolutely right. I think on, unfortunately, NFT as a concept has been linked to this speculative market of like, oh, I'll buy a thing and it'll go up in value and I'll flip it. And it's like this gambling thing. And there's nothing inherent in the technology that says it has to be used that way or should be used that way. That is, like, I don't own this sweater to flip it. I didn't buy this right. Henley to flip no, it. I right. like that I own it. Ownership's important, but yeah, the point of it wasn't. Then I can sell it to Jeff later for more because this is the only. This is only one of three hundred maroon Henleys. It's right. It's yeah, I, and, I and I think that there is I, conceivably an application where that could be useful and not so predatory and wrong, but. You're got, I do not want anybody to come away from this with the perspective that I think that everything's going great in the NFT world, <laughs> you know, or, or edit I, that, I support. Edit that sentence, you, you, just that part. I think everything is going <laughs> great. Jeff, right. gonna... Jeff wants to talk about his bored ape stuff to Jimmy Fallon <laughs> next week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. What I will say, my last point on this is I think you're right, Jeff, in, in many ways, and I think it will – People will later be screaming like, you like it now. And I will say they did it differently. And that's just as important as doing it at all. And I think yes, the right. closest we'll get to it. And maybe by the time people are getting to this episode in their backlog, it's already happened, is what Epic <laughs> is doing in Fortnite. And they're sure. opening up Fortnite to the Unreal editor to make it more Robloxian in terms right. of not even just creative mode. You can kind of build any game within Fortnite, And now you have this massive game, this massive world and people I'm, I'm speculating here a little bit, but there's a very easy to see world here where my RoboCop skin in Fortnite can then also be used in this other game that's created in the unreal editor. That's accessible via the Fortnite overworld map where I have this thing that then I own, but they don't call it an NFT, but it actually is movable among experience and this, that, and the other the difference will be if Epic does in fact continue down this path is that Epic proved out the game right into the value before trying to cash the blank check. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're already if, cashing enough of those. <laughs> if a bunch of these, if a bunch of these execs want to push this kind of ready player one experience down our throats, build, build the world around it first. Like, like Fortnite is doing it. Epic is building the thing that I think will eventually become the thing that closely resembles. It's not something I necessarily support on a personal level, but this kind of like, I can't believe I'm going to use the word organic to describe what you just said, uh, Christian, but it's like shoving, <laughs> shoving Robocop through an extruder into a new thing would not ever register as being organic in any other sense except for this one, which is it does seem to be this kind of user generated feeling of like, okay, like you perverts wanted it. Sure. Like, here, like here it is. There is an organicness to looking at that behavior and then building the, the stuff around that instead of saying, we're going to get you addicted to something and then showing us something that nobody would get addicted to. Like, yeah. It just, 
Not that I'm saying we should be addicted to something, but I'm just like, if you're going to do it, do it in this kind of organic way. Make us believe in the product first and then say, sure, here's all this stuff connected to it. I know we've said this is the last point 15 times already. Yeah, sorry. But no, 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 no. It's a good discussion. It's a good discussion. I think it is. I think it's interesting. And and I know we had, you know, NFTs are exhausting to talk about. But fundamentally for me, I think the... There is this timeline that that goes like this. Uh, hey, I like video games. Oh, cool. Um, uh, well, there's stuff that you buy inside the video game, right? Yes. Well, that doesn't have any value. What are you wasting your money on that? It's this is digital bits. It, it, it's ephemeral. It doesn't. Yeah. Why would you waste your money on that? Oh, okay, cool. Well, here's this technology that makes it so it's maybe possible that it doesn't just go away. It's not ephemeral. It actually, right. I own it, and it's a thing now. It's like, oh no, that's the devil. Well, it's like, well, but. We just, we're trying to solve that other problem that you identified, you know? So I, 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 I do think it's, I it's think just there's execution. Some there. I, there's it's some execution. there there and you're absolutely right. right. You're absolutely right. There hasn't been any there there yet, but I, I don't think that it's inconceivable that there will be. Well, but if Square Enix flipped the housing market in, in, in Final Fantasy 14 to involve things that only one person in a server owns. Yeah, I don't think people would necessarily like blink at that. I, I think they would go, "Well, that's an interesting idea." They might, and they might bristle at it, and they might have to pull back on that. But like, there are executions of this idea that don't make me cringe and stress out and worry about our collective future, um, which is a tough thing to say because I have been very against this entire kind of endeavor from the start. But I think it's been because. I've seen the way the tech sector is latched onto it and created something that I feel like is valueless. Whereas I feel like in some spaces, there are things that could be created with some value that don't necessarily run in kind of the grifter circles, but like we'll a see. $70, like a $70 Nintendo game, Jeff, what's your story? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to do that one, but, uh, you don't have to. I- <laughs> I I mean we're running long already so we don't we don't have to talk about it a lot but I thought it was interesting that uh there there was a um a blog that came out on the official PlayStation blog uh page uh talking to the game director of uh, the upcoming Horizon Forbidden West DLC called Burning Shores uh, Horizon For- Forbidden West of course a game I absolutely loved it was in my top 5 of the year last year um I I feel like I stand alone there but I love it um regardless of how you feel about it, a pretty stunning, beautiful game that was also available on PlayStation 4. Uh, right. was a cross-platform, cross-generational game. Uh, and the DLC, Burning Shores, is not, which already feels wild to that that's a thing, that they're going to have DLC for a game that was on the previous generation, but the DLC itself is only available on the current generation. Lots to dig into just with that decision, but interesting, I thought that um, the game director, whose name I will only butcher if I attempt it, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, mentioned that, uh, you know, there's a bunch of things that they're able to do with Burning Shores that they couldn't do in Horizon Forbidden West because they were shackled to old hardware and because they're allowed to only put this out on PlayStation 5, that it's going to be able, they're going to be able to do uh, much more interesting things. Uh, including a uh, they call it a, st- a stunning post post apocalyptic version of Los Angeles and a a, a fight scene that uh, requires a lot more memory and processing power that they couldn't have done on PS4. 
I think this points to the fact that we haven't even seen this console generation is what, how many years in now? Three, three. Uh, we haven't even seen games made for these consoles yet. Um, and it's wild to me that maybe this right. DLC is going to give us a little hint of that, but uh, I'm just, it's just, it's just a, you know, obviously COVID is a big part of that and the, and the supply chain issues and all of the weirdness that happened in our worlds in the last three plus years. But um it is just an unprecedented kind of weird console generation. And I think this is another example of that. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, John? Well, I mean, you know, can I go to a store and get a PS5 right now? I don't know if that plays, it bears out in reality, but it, uh, it, Sony it says, it, now you can. Sony says, Sony says, yes. Um, I, if I go to my target right now, I don't think I could find one uh, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, but you know what? It's also That's because Microsoft is sabotaging also Arkansas. Them, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Walt, the Walton zone, the market here. So. Um, and they're, they're Microsoft people. No, um, the, to me, it's, it, it is, more than anything, I, I would just love to be a PR person or just to be a fly on the wall on that PR meeting that day that it's like, hey, by the way, the Horizon folks, like their their DLC is only going to be PS5. And I know that our whole thing is like kind of, you know, cross-generational stuff that we did like, but, and, you know, Sony's, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're doing PC stuff as well, but it's kind of unclear how that all factors. In. Anyway, spin this in a way that like feels great to the people that own a <laughs> PS4 and, and can't necessarily afford a PS5 right now. The economy is in a really bad place. Um, go. How can, you, <laughs> how can you spin this? It's hard. Um, that game looked really good on PS5. Um, and I played it, and those water effects alone kind of made me go, dang, like, PS4, I mean, that, I, I bet it sounds like a jet engine when you play that game <laughs> on a PS4 um i never tried it i should have but game looks great on a ps5 i i think this is a very strange console generation obviously the the xbox series x and s and xbox one stuff tends to be maybe a little more seamless than some of the ps4 ps5 stuff that i've seen um and i don't know it's just neither console generation i mean neither neither big player here can really commit to their, their late stage stuff. I think it does have a lot to, to do with COVID and supply chain stuff, but it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Uh, I do feel bad for the PS4 folks that can't get their hands on this DLC, especially if they love the, the game because it was very good. Um, so yeah, it's just a very strange thing. I don't envy the PR folks. working. I, over yeah, I, I have to wonder if it's because PS5s are more accessible now, they think maybe, hey, maybe, maybe more people will be transitioning. We've sold enough units that is, this makes sense. Sure. It does There's leave some those... calculus they did, right? It had to but, be, right? They're they, right. they leaving folks out in the cold for sure. But it's weird because DLC already is a niche of a niche, right? You're you're only right. able to sell to the people that bought the original game. So you're already very limited in what you can sell. And I'm sure they know that there's X percentage of people that even buy DLC. It's probably, yeah. I would guess it's probably quite low. Um, well, Cy Cyberpunk had to freak him out too, right? I mean, just any 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 anyone watching Cyberpunk's rollout and seeing how how it was essentially unplayable on the, the last gen consoles um until they basically took it off the store like that had to make you know some some folks at sony go like god we're not even gonna we're not even gonna touch this kind of idea anymore you know we we, we saw we saw what cd project red couldn't do with a los angeles adjacent kind of <laughs> big thing so 
Um, Los Angeles plus last gen? No way. Yeah, no <laughs> way. Yeah. So I don't know. I yeah. It makes sense in a lot of ways. Like it never – you know, whenever a console says, hey, we're going to still do support last gen, I kind of personally don't buy it. Like I, I immediately am just kind of like, well, they're going to they're going to kind of support that in earnest for nine months and then back off of it. So I always kind of do that math in my head and I'm just like, well, you know, I always go for the next one. But it's like I'm also in a unique position where I'm in the industry. I buy all the stuff. I can afford it. I'm in a great right. privileged position to be able to do that. And someone who has a PS4 can only afford a console once every decade. They're not making the same choice as I am. So this does sting for those people. Christian, we, we talked before about, you know, Unreal Engine 5 being, you know, when it finally games finally come out that were built only on Unreal Engine 5, 5.1. Uh, we'll see what these consoles can do. Um, but I, I really, I, I got to believe we haven't really seen it yet, right? I agree. We have not. There are also rumors of the PS5 Pro and this, that, and the other. And yeah, I don't think we've seen what these consoles can do, you know, totally un, unleashed. Um, I am excited for this DLC. And I hope, I, my hope, my my Pollyanna, if you will, in this moment is I hope that Gorilla had an awesome idea. Horizon right. Forbidden West is a very complete game. Uh, DLC Frozen North, Frozen Wilds, whatever the Frozen Wilds last, yeah. last game's DLC was good, but it was it was like an in the middle of the story. It didn't like, oh, now I know what really happened with Aloy. It wasn't that. So I didn't feel like if you didn't play it, I don't think you were missing the narrative in a big way. Assuming this is similar and it doesn't, this isn't Horizon 3 secretly or something like that. Mm. I hope that Guerrilla Games said, hey, we have this awesome idea for DLC uh, here's how the tech stack benefits us as a studio. You know, here's how we pay off this tech debt for, for our next game or whatever. We're going to play with this stuff and we can make something truly awesome. If we're allowed to only make it for PS five, they right. pitched it to the bean counters and they were like, Holy crap. I didn't hear what you said, but that tech debt you have does pay off. So go ahead. <laughs> Tell me about the up. NFTs part. Um. <laughs> but that, that's my hope. My hope is that there is like a, you know, again, to, to now do the game slide over it because yeah people are getting left behind but the cool idea is hey we went to the west coast and we never got to la that seems like the cool idea the cool idea is we made it to the west coast and we didn't see los angeles and i think that That if if, that's cool i want to see los angeles in the horizon world yeah for sure my brother tried to visit me we saw the Moscone Center. Now we got to see the Getty. Like that's you know, right. Got to see right. what's going on with that. <laughs> see, yeah. We got to see uh, the Walt Disney Concert Hall all destroyed. <laughs> yeah. You know, when yeah. you come out here, Jeff, bring your PS5 passport with you, though, because we seriously will not let you into the city unless we know you have a PS5. That is how LA rolls. San Francisco, I think you can still get in with a PS4, maybe even a PS3, oh, yeah, but care. down here, you got to <laughs> yeah. have that PS5. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we we got we we've been talking. It's this is good, meaty, meaty, good stuff, but. Uh, we got games to talk about, so let's get into the games that we have been playing. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace! Oh, I love Squarespace because I made my website, jeffcanada.com, on Squarespace. Low those many years ago, and uh, I, I, I love it. I still recommend it to folks and family that need to make a website. Uh, now, uh, people that I know that are into their own business Oh, man, Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, the content you create, even your time with Squarespace. They have a suite of tools that are so simple. It's sweet. 
Uh, I really enjoy the ease of use. I don't know HTML. Never bothered to learn. Why? Because there's something called Squarespace where I can just build it myself. And now, Squarespace, if you are looking to monetize your content or your expertise, well, they have these member areas that let you do that in ways that fit your brand. You can unlock a new revenue stream for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletters. And the videos you can make right there in the Squarespace Video Studio app, which helps you make and share engaging videos to tell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales. And if you want to build an online store selling anything digitally, digital products, physical products, anything you need to sell, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online in just a few clicks. It's so simple. So simple! You don't need to hire someone to make your website. You can do it yourself. They got simultaneous posting where you can authenticate with your social profiles and you auto post to content like Twitter, Facebook, and your personal brand page, your, temp, your Tumblr. It's so simple. They've got analytics you can track to help you grow. Everything you could possibly need. It's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to do anything. It's, it's just the smartest way to do it. And you can check it out yourself. Go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You'll get a free trial that lets you use all those tools. And you can see how it works. Build your site. Make it yourself. See, see if you want to use this. And then when you're ready to launch, ah, then you use our offer code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. And then the offer code Jeff sent me to save 10% off. Thanks to Squarespace for supporting the show. Right, it is time to talk about the games that we have been playing. John, what has made your playlist this week? You know, I, I first of all, Christian, you, 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 we'll get to yours in a second. I've, I've played yours all day actually because of you. Uh, but you know, I, I, I picked up WWE 2K23 this week. Yeah, I've been, I've been burned by the series for the past three years. We've had this weird switch off between Ukes, which used to do the game series, and now they've left and gone to make an AEW video game, which is coming out when? We have no idea still. Uh, and so Visual Concepts over at 2K, um, they uh, they took over the franchise a few years ago. They had 2K20, which was not very good. They took a year off, came back with 22. It was okay. I have to say, WWE 2K23, pretty good video game if you like professional wrestling if you're just if you're a lapsed fan that wants to get back into this kind of sandbox of professional wrestling content because i'm a big professional wrestling fan um this is very good uh it runs well i've not had a lot of the bugs that i've had in the past few years uh with this with this series uh and it plays very well it's fun there's a lot of cool sandbox tools and creation tools uh, the upload and download stuff, if you have like a bunch of created folks that you want to upload or download, that runs better than I've ever experienced it uh, because that was a really big pain point for players for a very long time. Um, I don't know if it's just a great first couple weeks of launch and we'll start to see some of these problems poke through. I still think they have kind of the 2K problem of 
they're monetizing a lot. They're like, you know, wanting to charge you for a bunch of like, you know, uh, different wrestlers and DLC and a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff to kind of add on to the expense here. If you want to get the full picture, you're looking at like a hundred bucks instead of the 60 that this would launch with. So like, keep that in mind if you're like a completionist. Um, but I, I think this game is the best the franchise has been in, in probably a decade, um, wow. which is a big deal. And it feels like visual concepts who like, I'm a big fan of because they've been making games for like 25 years. Uh, they did the NFL 2K series way back in the day. Yeah, um, There are people that really understand sports simulations and what people really like about sports and entertainment simulations. And like this feels like the first time that they've really got their claws on this. Uh, and, it, and it strikes me as a very familiar and exciting uh, game for the first time in a long time. Well, you know, it's funny as a as a wrestling fan myself, I, yeah. I have I have not played a wrestling video game and I can't even tell you when uh, I just haven't had any interest in them. And mostly because sure. I don't understand the I understand <laughs> I don't enjoy is the word I wanted. <laughs> I don't enjoy the the core gameplay loop. Sure. Which has never felt particularly fun for me. Uh, tell me you said it plays great. Tell me exactly sort of the nitty gritty of what you're doing in a match. Is there sure. strategy? Is there, are you, I, I felt like, I feel like some of these games are just real button mash. You don't feel like fighters. They feel like something else. And I, I, I've never enjoyed that process. It, tell me what's fun about it. Yeah. To, to me, it, it really works best this year that has in a long time with like, if if you play as Andre, the giant against Ray Mysterio, that that and and for those dream know, match Andre the, Andre the Giant is uh, as you might expect a very big man, um and Rey Mysterio is like a five foot four luchador, very fast, very small. That match plays out in a way that you would expect. It's not just like two similarly matched people going against each other. Rey Mysterio can't pick that guy up. He can't do anything. He's got to fly around the ring. He's got to do a bunch of stuff off the ropes. He's got to use his core. Um, strengths to actually overcome what would be a very difficult matchup if you were talking about like a real fight, obviously. So it's like, it feels really organic in that way. Like you, you're, you're choosing people and you're having to really play to their specific strengths. So you're not only having like a move set that everyone kind of has with the same kind of button presses and all that stuff. You're, you're having, you know, ways like Rey Mysterio is someone that can bounce off the ropes in a really organic and easy way because he's got these abilities and agility stats and all these things that when you look at like an NBA 2K game, you wouldn't play LeBron like you're trying to play Shaq, right? I mean, there's an athleticism and speed to LeBron to get to the hoop or to, to make a guy, you know, to break a guy's ankles to get to the hoop, like and Shaq is just brute force in the middle. It's very different. And I think Visual Concepts has finally made a WWE game that really feels like that, where you have to use kind of momentum in physics and all that stuff. And maybe that's too fussy for some people. I think like the arcadey gameplay of something like AEW Fight Forever, which looks like very arcadey. And like I said, who knows when it's coming out, but that might be more people's speed. But like, this is kind of a, like a hardcore simulation, if you can even call it that, of a professional wrestling game. And like, it's something I've wanted for a while. And I think they've tried to lead up to this moment, but now it feels like it's kind of, arrived um wow. and that's great it's pretty good 
So, I mean, like like Madden, I buy it every year and I'm disappointed. WWE, I've, I buy it every year. I'm disappointed. This year is the first time I've picked it up and gone. Oh wow! I might I might pour you know thirty forty hours into this thing like pretty easy. It's great to hear. So, yeah. Amazing WWE two K twenty three. What else is on yeah. your playlist? I played and stopped playing Atomic Heart. Um, <laughs> I think that game took the worst parts of Bioshock and Ken Levine and made it its own thing. Um, I think Bioshock really broke people's brains. They they sent people in two different directions. One is Prey over at Arcane, which I think is a beautiful, lovely, complicated mess, but I love it so much. I think it's a great immersive sim. And I think Atomic Heart kind of represents maybe the worst impulses of Kin Levine in the Bioshock uh, games. Um, and it's much more Bioshock Infinite than Bioshock 2, which I think is the best uh, entry of the series. Um, and, uh, it's got some of the worst writing I've heard in a video game in a long time. So I don't know. I, I know some people really dug it when it first came out. I played it, um, on stream and I eventually stopped playing it because I got stuck in the geometry for the eighth time. And when I reloaded my save, it, it was stuck right back in that geometry. So <sighs> I would have had to replay about 30 minutes and I just decided, you know what? I don't think this game is fun enough for me to do that. So it broke your atomic heart. It did break my atomic heart, but, <laughs> but you know, it's okay. Like, you know, I don't have to like everything. I've, I've determined this year to actually try to play stuff I don't like. I want to sit down and actually engage with stuff I don't necessarily like. Oh, um, so that's why you're doing the show this year? That's why, that's why, I was like, that's yeah, why I'm doing the show. Here he is. <laughs> I am. I've, I've been asked all the time, and my rule is just like, I I only do, do, good, do good stuff, and now I'm like, okay. I can, that's what we count on. That's what we count on, the, uh, the, the slippery slope of standards people have, you know? It's the total opposite, to be clear. But, uh, but yeah, no. Yeah, I, Christian and I both uh, yeah. didn't really care about care for uh, Atomic Heart either, uh, although I've gotten a number of emails of folks uh offering an uh, a different opinion so yeah uh, i mean you know teaches i I, th- I think it's like if you got out of bioshock especially infinite uh, some certain things that I, I didn't necessarily love but like i think like if you if you really engage with some of that stuff there's really there's really intrigue and also the art style and the the technical kind of you know art design of these environments and stuff really impressive there's yeah, stuff beautiful. here to like yeah yeah. But like, I just didn't, I didn't, it didn't vibe with, I didn't vibe with it. Good news uh, is it's on much. Game Pass and you can check it out if you have a Game Pass subscription. Amazing. No, yeah, no reason that, not to. That and Woe Long. It's a great like couple weeks for Game Pass stuff. Like go out and just get those things. Try to play them. If you like them, there's no, you know, you can just delete them. No big deal. Yeah. So what else have you been playing? Uh, Wolong is good. Um, I, you know, it's like, it's not Elden Ring. Elden Ring really kind of like, you know, is the gold standard of FromSoft kind of like, you know, it's like, what if we made a FromSoft game, but also Breath of the Wild. And, um, and so that, that kind of is like, it's kind of broken my meter for how I kind of engage with these games. But uh, if you like Neo 2, especially, I think Wo Long is really nice. It's also nice to see a game in the mainstream kind of set in this, uh, you know, romance of the Three Kingdoms, kind of Chinese folklore kind of thing. It's just different, different vibe, different uh, pace. Um, it's a little bit easier, I feel like, than some of the FromSoft games that I've played recently. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I dig it. So I'm only like 10 hours into that, but it's uh, it's pretty good so far. Hey, Christian, have you tried yeah. Wo Long yet? 
feel like you got to try it. I have it. not. I have not. It is installed, and um, yeah, I have not. It's a good one. Anything else on your playlist, John? I've been playing Breath of the Wild again for the sixth or seventh time. I've lost wow. track. Um, it's my favorite game of all time. I've decided I want to give it one more big send-off before Tears of the Kingdom. I've got, you know, what, uh, a little bit under two months uh, until that, that happens. So I'm uh, trying to get it all done, full DLC, all that stuff. Um, it's my favorite game. I could talk about it forever. I won't. Um, Twitch.tv slash floppy adult. I've been playing that on stream a lot. So you can catch me playing that a couple times a week. And uh, I don't know. I just there's there's no game that makes me feel like that it's just one that i always come back to uh one of the only games that if you nuke if if jeff you went personally into my switch right now and deleted my save of breath of the wild i would love doing it i wouldn't even be mad at you i'd be like that's cool i'll just start it over (laughs) the gift you get to start over so you, you said no game makes you feel like that tell me what's the that what what is the feeling that the game gives you that no other game does A sense of discovery and wonder, like being able to play something for, I think my Switch says I've played it for about 400 hours total. Um, and I genuinely feel like I kind of engage with something new every time I, I fire it up and play wow. it for, you know, two or three hours. There's a reason that um, GameSpot keeps releasing videos that say like 35 new things you didn't know about Breath <laughs> of the Wild. Like a hundred of those videos at this point. Um, and it's also one of those things that like, you see social media accounts dedicated to doing like, you know, insane trick shots and all this other stuff with this game that is a totally insular single player kind of isolated experience, but it feels like it's taken on a life of its own. Unlike any Nintendo game I've ever experienced. It's like, unlike any game I've ever played, I love the legend of Zelda, but this is just like something on a new level to me. It's my favorite game. I think it's the best game ever made. I could talk about it forever um, and uh, makes me feel sad and hopeful and wistful and happy and exhilarated. And uh, I just, I just really love it. Makes me oh, feel I love, it. I love hearing people talk about things they love. So that's why yeah. I d- dug a little deeper there. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to mention? No, I'm just mad at Christian for his pick because now I'm addicted to a new game that I want him to tell me about. So. All right, Christian, I believe we are, uh, we've teed you up pretty well. What is this a- addiction that you have uh, uncovered? So I'll tell the game to our audience so they can just know and jump in, and then I'll tell why tail. I got a uh, tail. twang on that. I'll tell you about it. I'll tell tail about 713 till I die. Um, it is called Castle Crumble. It's on Apple Arcade. Man. And at first glance, it is uh, an Angry Birds-like. Angry Birds is also on Apple Arcade. The difference with this game than Angry Birds is that Angry Birds, and there are other games like this too. You, I'll describe it and you'll be like, oh, I I know a game like that. Angry Birds, you have to line up your shot in like your trajectory and drop and stuff like that. All that comes into play. In Castle Crumble, not really. You, you pick your weapon, a cannonball, a TNT. Things get more creative as the levels progress. Um, and you tap where you want it to hit on this structure. And it will then hit that part of the structure. You can spin the map. It's 3D. 
um, polygonal, you know, shapes, castles, structures, and stuff like that. And so you launch your cannonball at the weak part of the Jenga tower, you know, wherever you want it to. And sometimes there'll be like a rock in front. So you're like, Ooh, I, I want to get there, but I can't. And this, that, and the other, but you pulling off the trick shot isn't the skill of, of castle crumble on Apple arcade. It's, if you can tap it, it will go there. So it's a puzzle game more in terms of how you utilize the different ammo types and weapons and find the structural weak points of these buildings. And so when I describe it like that, it sounds deep and complex and like this real puzzle game that later levels can be, but it is also just very pretty and fun and you point and things crumble. (laughs) And (laughs) playing on an iPhone, I have an iPhone 14. Um, I'm assuming this is true of older iPhones as well, but really nice use of the haptic feedback as the towel tower mm. crumbles. It just, it's, it's a delightful experience in the palm of your hand where I never feel bad putting it down. Cause I'm not like, Oh no, I'm about to beat this boss. You know, <laughs> this is right. the moment where I take down Dracula in dead cells. Uh, I'm so close. It's not. It's bright, it's cheery, it's engaging, and it engages my brain a little bit as some of these puzzles start to come together of how do I make this, you know, cacophony of destruction happen with my limited tool set that the game has given me. And and then you figure it out. It's like, oh, I need this here, this there, this there, and that that there. You feel clever, and the game's like, yeah, idiot, that's only one of two ways you could do it. Congratulations, (laughs) you finally figured it out. But it doesn't take away the joy of experiencing it. So I, I genuinely enjoy my time with this game. I don't think it'll be on my list at the end of the year in any stretch, uh, uh, you know, any world in which that happens. But the reason I wanted to bring it up uh, specifically this week is I was talking with parents um, at one of my daughter's Girl Scouts meetings about the games that my girls play and how they interact with games on phones and tablets and stuff like that. And I have not sung the praises of Apple Arcade on this show in a very long time. Jeff, I know you and I praised it way back when in terms of, we, we talked about NFTs on this episode, this very episode. <laughs> and, and John mentioned mobile games have been doing a lot of stuff, uh, nefarious stuff in that world for a while. And while Apple Arcade games still have that, can have that modern gaming addiction loop, and Castle Crumble certainly does, of three stars, congrats, and fireworks, right. and confetti, all that stuff. It is a complete game. Apple Arcade yeah. games are quality mobile games that never ask you for another dollar over your subscription. And so what I was telling another parent, and then I I think after I had this conversation, I said, excuse me, I took my phone out, played a game of Castle Crumble, and then typed this into into the show notes to remember to talk about it, is Apple Arcade feels like to me, uh, like Disney Plus as a streaming service, where generally I know as a parent that if my kids are engaging with that, it is good content, quality content that is safe for them to engage with, and isn't, you know, as nefarious as things can be. Yeah. And so I hadn't talked about Apple Arcade in a while. I wanted to bring it up. I do like this game. My kids also like it. And I also wanted to remind our listeners that Dead Cells, with all the DLC, except for Return to Castlevania, the newest, is also available on Apple Arcade. So if you heard me talking last week about Dead Cells, how they've made it easier, you can turn it, excuse me, turn on modifications that allow you to play it as kind of just like a checkpoint game and less of a, um, a rogue type game. Um, and you have Apple Arcade, perhaps because you subscribe to Apple One to watch Ted Lasso. That's an easy way to check out Dead Cells. And if you are looking for games for your children and they're in that mobile ecosystem, 
I highly recommend Apple Arcade. It's cheap. I highly recommend for Dead Cells for your kids. I highly recommend. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, I'm not far from a world where my daughter's better than me because uh, old thingies I, over here. Um, <laughs> that is my, that is my one rule with my son as far as mobile games um, is you can't play it unless it's on Apple Arcade. Um, and and some there's some Apple Arcade games I'm even like, man, I'm really much playing that. But um, that is the like. There are so many predatory, awful, gross things that are like, hey, the ad popped up. And in order to keep going, you got to download these three games as well. You know, like so, so gross. They just hide the X. They hide the clothes. Like, you know, again, it makes it not just getting choked up talking about mobile games targeting kids too, just like I was. Um, Yeah. So anyway, so yes, I I just want to... um, agree with you on that one because uh that's that's my rule for for jack is you you can download it if it's on apple arcade uh so i haven't played this one but it sounds like john you have played castle crumble oh yeah yeah i downloaded it today i was like i've never heard of this game and now uh, i don't know i'm on level 38 or whatever i've I've, I've just like blown through a lot of stuff and it's like it, it, it does have that same um kind of like find the structural weakness thing that angry birds does but exactly like christian said like without needing the the deft skill of like you know mm. like point pointing a bird in the right direction right so this it is kind of this like really fun physics sandbox which like i i'm a sucker for um i love just watching stuff crumble um but yeah it's like apple arcade i'll just second that like i don't have kids so if you're listening to this you're like i don't care about not having kid having kids or whatever i'm sure it's great uh, but I don't have kids. I have two dogs, um, and they can't play with iPhones. Apple Arcade's great. There, are, I get a million subscribe, you know, subscription emails every month where I'm like, oh, I'm still paying for Peacock. What am I doing? Um, but I never <laughs> feel that way about Apple Arcade. Like watching Grindstone, poker face is what you're doing. Yeah, that's what I am. You're totally right. Now that I'm done <laughs> with that, I could probably get rid of it. Um, that's not true. I'll explain why later. Um, <laughs> but um, but like Grindstone, great game, puzzle game. Like that's on Apple Arcade. Um, yeah. There's just a lot of good stuff on Apple Arcade. It does feel like kind of almost a curation service than more than anything mm-hmm. else. It's it's like at, there's a real person at Apple. I promise you that mm-hmm. is doing all the work to find these really good games, do all the legwork to sign these great games to this service. And I, you know, every single time I get a new one, um, I, I feel like, okay, yeah, my subscription makes sense, uh, because I'm, I'm always getting something new almost every month. So it's, it's good stuff. Go ahead, ahead, Jeff. I was going to say this castle crumble game, uh, reminds me of, um, the lab that, that, that part of the lab, you played the lab, right? On the VR, um, valve thing years yeah, ago yeah. where you pull yeah. the thing and it shoots and the boxes explode it's so fun right yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and apple arcade has a lot of it's a good breadth of games it feels like um yes uh, apple arcade to me is my play date where mm. again none of the games are probably gonna be my favorite of the year or favorite of all time but every week i'm like oh you know i don't normally play there's the uh, uh the 3ds um uh horse jockey card game um i'm still here uh, my that, camera died Okay, uh, <laughs> we lost on camera. It, it, that came out. We're like, oh, I, I would never normally try to play this game, but it's here. Anyway, we don't need to spend a lot of time with it because um, I do want to peel off just a little bit of, of, of VR time, which doesn't have to be VR time. But um, I like it. I like this game, and I hadn't talked about Apple Arcade in too long, so I wanted to remind our listeners that 
I still very much enjoy it and think it's a, a value add for me and my family. Very cool. Pocket card jockey. Yes. Thank you. That's what it's called. I have a couple of indie games that I've been playing this week that I want to highlight. Uh, the first is, uh, you know, obviously last year I had uh, Vampire Survivor as my game of the year, personal game of the year. Uh, I love Vampire Survivor, and it is tickling me no end that Vampire Survivor has become a subgenre. There are survivor likes, <laughs> and I have played a bunch of them um, to varying degrees of uh liking <laughs> they, they don't all aren't, aren't all great but um there is a new one that just came out on steam uh called crafty survivor and the hook here is that it's vampire survivor meets a cooking sim ish you know a uh a um, diner dash diner diner dash yeah uh anyway the idea is you're playing Vampire Survivor. You're a person running around and there's monsters coming at you from all sides and you got to kill them and pick up their little experience bubbles and you level up very fast and you get to pick new skills as you go. Very, very much Vampire Survivor. However, you are a chef or a, one of a variety of chefs. There's a bunch of different playable characters. And the, uh, the difference that they add to the formula of Vampire Survivor is that as you level up and get new skills, those skills fit into certain buckets, uh, i.e. they can do certain things. Add They add modifiers to the monsters when the attacks land. So there are attacks like a giant skillet uh, that will pull all the enemies into the giant skillet and, and give them damage. And that will give you the, uh, the like heated or cooked, I think it's cooked, uh, modifier. Uh, you have ones where, like, you can make spices fall from the sky. You can salt them, and they'll it'll get damaged, and that will give the um, the like spiced uh, modifier. Anyway, there's a number of them, like refrigerated, and there's all these different modifiers that have to do with cooking food. And if you can get three of the modifiers, well, it changes based on your character class, but the starting character class. If you can get three specific modifiers onto a the bad guys, it unlocks a super attack that you get to pull off. So there's actually, you know, in Vampire Survivor, you're running around and that that sort of Pac-Man-esque avoiding things and finding the pathway through is very pleasurable and fun. But there really isn't, you aren't planning your attacks in any mm, specific way mm. the attacks are proccing and they're going off and they're just happening and you're trying to survive um but in this game you actually have button presses that correspond to the attacks and then they have cooldowns so they don't proc on their own but you can sort of hold down the buttons and they will uh, but you often in this game are thinking to yourself okay well I just landed that cool uh you know frying pan attack or the refrigerator that drops down or the big cooking oven that plops down and, and, and kills people. Um, well, now I want to add, you know, these other two modifiers so that I can get that cool recipe to go off and I can unleash my super special attack. I think that's enough of a unique take on the vampire survivor formula, which I think is already a cool formula that I got a lot of joy out of crafty survivor. It looks fun. You know, it has a very, uh, you know, kind of cartoonish pixel, art look that was uh, enjoyable and uh, a lot of these games a lot of these vampire survivor likes have a, a hard time with um with the 
my alarm is going off. I think my wife just set our alarm off. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and she stopped it. Um, they have a hard time with the, 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 the feel, like, like feeling like there's something about the feeling of Vampire Survivor when the enemies are dying at a big rate. And a lot of those games just don't get that quite right. And I think Crafty Survivor right. does get that well, uh, that right. And, and it feels right. So um, uh, thumbs up for me. And the, the other amazing, cool thing about the Vampire Survivor-like subgenre is that because Vampire Survivor has like a $4 price tag, right? these <laughs> yeah. games sort of have to. You know? I was about to say, yeah, this is four bucks. Like, four it's bucks. kind of a no-brainer to just go and check it out. Early exactly. Access. So yeah. that that's become like a hallmark of this subgenre is that the games are right. really inexpensive. And I think that's pretty pretty rad, actually. So easy to recommend Crafty Survivor if you like those kinds of games. The other awesome. indie game that I put some time into this week uh is a uh action roguelite called Flame Keeper. This one is really interesting. It uh, gorgeous game. Uh, I, I, you are play a little flame, little fire, like a little ember of fire, uh, running around in a world that has gone dark and you're trying to restore light to it. And the way you do that is there are these big braziers, these big sort of flame pits, fire pits, uh, where you're literally giving your life essence to it, your fire life to this thing, Mm -hmm. uh, in order to restore the brilliant fiery light to the world. Which means you're actually using your own health pool to charge this thing. And it, it, it's a really interesting dynamic because you basically go around, you know, hacking and slashing uh, other creatures, little bug creatures that are all around. And oftentimes they'll drop little fiery essences. You're charging up your health in order to go spend it somewhere else. And you have to find these tablets, all that are hidden around uh, the area as well, in order to unleash different thresholds of the fire pit. So you can only give your health up to a certain point, and then you give, you know, you find a tablet that's hidden in the world, bring that back to the fire pit, and then you can unlock another chunk of health that you can give of your own. So there's this fun push and pull of like how much health I don't want to, I don't want to, you, you know, deplete myself to the point where I might die, but I do don't want to, I, I do want to minimize the number of back and forths that I have to do. The bummer about the game is that it really is a bunch of back and forths, right? You're you're venturing mm. out from the center point of the fire pit, finding the the tablets, bringing them back, giving your health, coming going out, coming back, going out, coming back, which you know can feel a little repetitive. Um, but I, I thought the enemy types were cool, and the, the you you can also there's roguelite elements where you can you know upgrade your, your attacks and up, you know, unlock other skills and abilities. And there's things you can find in the, in a run that lets you upgrade your abilities, but the combat system never gets very complex at all. So it's not a game where it's not like Hades or anything, but mm. it is interesting enough and fun enough. It looks pretty. And, and also like every few levels, it'll switch things up and it'll become like a tower defense game where you have to defend your central fire to a bunch of things that are coming from every direction and you can set up traps and stuff. So it switches things up every few levels. Um, It's a charming, fun, really pretty, like the lighting of it is really, because you're this fire in this dark world and you're bringing this beautiful glowing ember everywhere. Um, And it does some smart things, like it lets you zoom out on the map and see your position. So when you're trying to find the last tablet and you can't quite find it, it, it like helps you. It's not just throwing you out there and making you run around and not know where to go. I like it. It's called Flame Keeper. 
it's in early access. And over the next year, they have a roadmap of some really cool features. Uh, so, you know, it might be early for people to jump onto, but it might be something that people want to put on their radar because one of the features they're going to add is co-op. And I think this game in co-op would be super fun. Um, oh, I forgot to mention, it has a jump, which for a top-down isometric action roguelike, like, um, like you know, in the, in the sort of vein of Hades, right. you don't often see a jump uh, in those games. You always have a dash, right? But you never, very rarely see a jump. And this game has a jump, and I thought it was cool. I'm, you know, using the jump, a lot of things will come underneath you, and you have to jump out of the way before they smack you. There's boss battles. Um, you know, very competent, uh, very attractive looking uh, ro- action roguelite, Flame Keeper. Cool. It's only it's only eight bucks right now until the twenty fourth. Yeah. So it's like it's usually twelve, but it's an early access. It must be part of the Steam sale stuff, I guess, until twenty uh, fourth. So like eight bucks. That's not yeah. a no brainer, but like a a, a low brainer. Low brainer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, we also got an email that I want to read uh, that was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail dot com. Uh, this one is about a. A game I mentioned, it comes from Mike, who says, hey, guys, I picked up Spin Rhythm XD after Jeff was singing its praises on last week's show. I'm traveling this week, so I decided to try it out for the first time on my Steam Deck during a flight. The first thing I thought after trying a couple of songs was that Jeff was right. I'm going to have the cute. Hang on. Hang on. Jeff was right. There we go. Uh, This game would be amazing on a DJ hero style turntable controller. So I decided to try playing with the Steam Deck's trackpads instead of the control stick. And I realized the developers included that in the default control scheme. I ended up tweaking it so I could spin with either wheel instead of just the right one. And it feels awesome. Definitely the superior way to play this game. This experience is yet another reminder of how versatile the Steam Deck's controls are. Jeff, I'm curious if you've tried spin rhythm on the deck and what you thought. I haven't, Mike. But now I'm gonna. That's cool. I also read uh, somebody forwarded me uh, where somebody had modded the old DJ yeah, Hero controller. Me. Oh, that was you. I for- somebody. Yeah, yeah. Some random. Mm-hmm. Some Who could random. have been? <laughs> Who, yeah. yeah. Who could it have been? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's cool yeah. too. They, so, anyway, to finish the thought, somebody modded the old DJ Hero uh, controller to actually work with Spin Rhythm, which uh, Ooh, that's is cool. awesome. That's I very that cool. Controller, man. God, the Steam Deck is great, huh? Yeah, so it good. Truly is. I love it. All right, Christian, I know you wanted to get a little VR talk in, so let's do that right now. I like Christian's VR, because Christian been playing a little PSVR too, as as have I, but what do you want to what did you want to talk about? Yeah, so this, to be clear, is not only in VR. Uh, and I need to bring it up because it ends uh, on the 31st, I believe. But that is Gran Turismo Race Together, um, racing against the GT7 Sophie AI. On, yes. Uh, if you're oh, wow. a yeah. patron on our Wednesday show this past Wednesday, we did a big chat about AI and me feeling like an old and being like, what is it? And then listeners pointed out a wonderful podcast that I listened to that I will also mention right here now, cause I can pull it up really quickly. Um, making sense with Sam Harris. They had an episode. Listeners, Sam listeners had an episode. or was that me? That was me who said that. Jeff. Listeners, it was me. 
Do you remember when you asked who sent you the DJ Hero? I was that, that was listeners. That was listeners. Twi- twice, in, twice in 90 seconds. Wow. <laughs> okay. So we I think it was John to who each told other, me. John, we don't. <laughs> to be fair, uh, dear listeners, Jeff and I do record each other personal podcasts. <laughs> and that's how we send each other recommendations. Yeah. Um, I'm a listener so, and I send in him. <laughs> yeah, okay, go ahead. Go ahead it was an excellent, it was an excellent podcast. Um, and so on Wednesday's show, I talked about trying to understand AI and the different scopes of AI, blah, 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 blah. And then I remembered, oh, well, there's a totally different version of AI that I've been meaning to spend more time with. And it is the GT7, the Gran Turismo Sophie AI, which is a realistic racing artificial intelligence that is supposed to make driving in Gran Turismo feel more like driving against real people but also be scalable in a way that it's not just me driving against great people. <laughs> you know, it's not right. you go to the arcade and it's like, here's all the pros. Have fun, you idiot. It's right. these people are going to be, you can have them still, you can still race against easy uh, Sophie AI, but they will react more like people than standard to this point racing game AI. I, because if you can see my my wheel in my, my stand that I got for it back there, have been playing a lot of GT7 in VR. And I really wanted to play GT Sophie race together in VR. And uh, listeners, i.e. Jeff, I'm talking to you right now. The, Not the Jeff, listen. Uh, <laughs> the definitive way to play the definitive version of this game. I mean... It is the subtle things that are so mind-blowingly different. And of course, VR adds the depth and the this and that and the whatever and the wheel and blah, 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 blah. But just seeing like a car, how can I phrase this? An AI car in the race make a realistic bad decision, you know, like it drops a tire off the tarmac and because of that overcompensates in a way that a new driver on a course might and so they fishtail and lose control. And so then the car behind it slams on its brakes mm. and just comes to a dead stop, ruining its racing line. And that can either be feast or famine for me because I might get caught in the middle of it. <laughs> you know, it's right. bad. Or I'm able to thread that needle and all of a sudden I've outperformed, you know, air quote, better cars than me because of a mistake they made. Whereas a typical driving game AI, that competitor car is either rubber banding you to make it uh, competitive or it's following a predetermined race line it's exquisite it's i mean Let i'm me still scared of ai but yeah the, it, is this better than drivatars for example which in my, my understanding yes. is was just kind of taking a bunch of data of people who've actually gone through the race and using mm. you know recorded human data to put those people into your is that you prefer this or do you see a difference there or is it just too approaches to a similar result i think it's two approaches to a similar result this feels more advanced um mm. i i thought drivatars for me felt more interesting because i'd see like oh i would know that the the john avatar is always aggressive like when right. i see it in my game i know so true yeah uh-huh. <laughs> here we go this is what's gonna be and so it was, and it was just fun it's kind of to me it was kind of like XCOM when i would name my party and i'd be like oh there's right. that I know who that sniper is. I know who that is. And it it still felt like traditional driving game stuff where it's like pretty much following a race line, doing this, that, the other. The mistakes I think I've seen 
in corrections I feel like I've seen and witnessed. And part of it is also VR is probably skewing my perception of this because I'm still enamored by racing in PSVR 2. But it, 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 it feels squirrely in a way that feels authentic. And it mm. doesn't just feel glued to this line of a track. And you can um, mess with it. And right now it just has like little emojis over its head. But like if you're riding a car, like I, you know, get up on them and I'm tailing them, I'm kind of bumping them and nudging them. It will react to me. And mm. like, this, to- is how, this is how it starts, Christian. This is how it starts. This, you <laughs> annoy the AI, and then now we're living in death camps. <laughs> Cut to, you know, Skynet. You're you're gaslighting the drivers. That's right. How'd you get here? Well, the AI was just making a meanie face emoji. I had no idea it would escalate this far, my love. My children, please don't blame me. Don't blame me. It's going to turn on us because it's so ticked at you for pushing it off the race. I tried to, and then it jacked on the brakes and forced me off my line, and I blew a turn, came in too hot, missed the apex, messed everything up. Um, It ends on the 31st. Right now, they say, you know, this uh, Drive Together event ends on the 31st. It's only available, again, uh, going back to the Horizon DLC. This is only on PlayStation 5 version of Gran Turismo, Um, this more advanced AI. Even if you don't have VR, I know I'm talking about it with my experience in VR. Even if you don't have VR, if you have not checked out... um, drive together and checked out this AI. I recommend doing it here this last week before it goes off for a little bit. It's awesome. Why are they turning it off? I imagine to implement it into a bigger part of the game or to pull, I don't know. I imagine it's like before it, this data or maybe they won't. Before <laughs> it becomes uncontrollable and turns on us all. <laughs> yeah, I, so I, it I can come it. to my house and kill me for running it <laughs> off the road as many times as I did. Wait, they, they made us like a really small documentary about this um, like Sony did. Um, like not that, you know, I don't know, seven months ago, something like that around the time GT seven came out and they, they seem vocally worried about how to implement this into the mainstream game. Like they, they seem like they are worried. It will maybe be too realistic or too something for the average player. Like they do seem aware and concerned about that. So I, I, like honestly though for like gt people like me it's like this is exciting like i want more of this kind of stuff from a racing game like forza horizon has gone a little like you know more mainstream and i I love that i engage with that but like gt7 was like such a return to that kind of really really hardcore simulation stuff that this ai stuff seems to be the next logical step and Hopefully this is them collecting data and figuring out a way to implement it into the larger game, like you suggested. Yeah. And I think it maybe has, or not has to, but right now lives as a separate mode because I'm not sure how it would affect career progression. Because even right. playing on easy, it is supposed to be air quote learning or adapting right. based on things that happen. So I could see it being frustrating if you can't progress because of this, that, or the other. Um, but I love it as an experiment. And I think seeing it in a driving game, like I think a lot of video games, the new gen comes out, we see how pretty the driving game looks. And then a year later, we see how pretty the third person action game looks like we've been talking about this for a decade, but I, I love pretty graphics, but I want to see more complicated, interesting AI in my enemy encounters. And this is my first experience of taking down an ogre. I just happened to take down a Nissan skyline GT. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. On on an S super cool. Yeah. Um, I could talk about a million PSVR two things. I, I, I'm not going to. I, instead, um, what I arrived this week for me is yet another 
expense uh, that came with, you know, we got wheels now and stands for wheels. It's endless. I got, as a person who unfortunately has to wear glasses now all the time, uh, I got inserts for my PSVR goggles so I don't have to wear my glasses in them. Uh, So far, pretty awesome because, uh, you know, the frames of your glasses, even though I have clear ones, um, the frames of your glasses, you'll you'll see the edges in in VR. It's awesome to be able to just put the headset on without worrying about futzing with my glasses. Cool. And uh, having that sort of frameless, you know, obviously the FOV of a, of a headset is still limited. You're not getting complete peripheral vision, but right. it's it's better than my glasses. So um, I, it's an expense that I, uh, I'm i glad I took. You're probably asking, so what company in, in particular did you use? And I honestly, I don't know. It, it was a, kind of a sketchy online thing. It came in a nondescript box that literally had no identification. <laughs> what are you buying? Yeah. What are you selling? <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm, I can't even tell you, but Google it. You'll find places. Uh, and it's not cheap. You know, I think it was like 70 bucks for my eyes uh for the two lenses but they pop right in i had i had stuff That's like cool. that a long time ago for the oculus years ago uh and it was it didn't work as quite as well these are really nice they just slide right over the top of the of the little lenses inside the headset anyway cool i want to answer an email that we got about this about psvr2 as well this comes from scott scott says uh, i bought into the psvr2 due to the hype you guys generated you're welcome scott uh, it's absolutely incredible, but being my first VR headset, I'm completely new to the experience. You guys, mm. along with a few other reviewers, have mentioned that the hardware doesn't have the screen door effect, but I see a con- a consistent film-like noise which moves independently from the game visuals. Is this screen door or some other limitation with the hardware, or do I potentially just have some bad OLED panels? Appreciate any wisdom you guys have on this. Mondays wouldn't be the same without the story of the week jingle. Thanks, Scott. Uh, yeah, I think you have a bad headset. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something, Christian, correct me if I'm wrong. Screen dooring effect is not that. Screen door effect is um, where you see the individual pixels because the lenses are actually magnifying the, the screens that you're looking at. Uh, right. So you see like sort of like a little gap between the pixels. Oh, boxes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that you shouldn't, th- that would not be what you're describing, which is sort of noise that moves independently from the game visuals. I don't know what that is. Hopefully you find an explanation for it, but uh, I don't experience that in PSVR 2. Christian, I think that's safe to say that it's an anomaly. It's not something that most people are experiencing, right? Uh, yeah, I'll try to do a quick Google to, to uh, more expertly provide a succinct definition. I'm curious if what they're seeing is is Mura, M-U-R-A, which is can add a kind of blurriness or mm. you're looking at the OLED through a lens. A PSVR 2 still has a lens piece. It is not just a big TV right next to your eyes. There is still a lens that creates this <clears throat> ocular field of vision. And that lens is a, a physical thing that exists between you and the screen. And it's used for various reasons within the, the, the headset, but it can also, in my understanding, create an, an image that looks softer when you're in the headset right. than what you see even in the share screen. Um, right. so if you have the headset on, you take it off and you're like, Hey, why, who, what, who, huh? and it's yeah. because of the lenses and how close the things are to your eyes. Screen door effect as someone who's played with many old headsets, in my opinion, yeah, my PSVR two does not have a screen door effect. The old 
headsets, it literally, and I mean that not figuratively, looks like you're looking through a screen door, screen door. at a picture. Right. Um, yeah. You're at, you're, at your, you're at your Mima's house on a hot summer night and you're looking outside <laughs> through the screen door bugs are hitting up uh, yeah no it's very perfect it's, yeah. it's very pronounced i think you would get it if you saw it yeah um, so i don't know what you yeah, got if, Scott. if that's your if that's your first <laughs> vr headset ever you you might just be like realizing that it's not like the highest fidelity thing that you'll ever experience. It's it's it is not the same as looking at like a feed on a screen, like uh, you know, without the headset. Yeah, but, but it's, I, it's, it's it's getting it's getting so much better. I have it, to be yeah, clear about that. I would, but it's like I don't it know is if that's different. what that's w- w- the the thing that's happening though. It sounds yeah, like he's got, got something that's going on here. Yeah, uh, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, also, you know, you got to dial it in. It, it, there's a, a setting to make your eyes closer or farther apart, you know, in, inside that, that can help with a lot of the blurry stuff, but it doesn't sound like you're saying yes. blurriness. You're saying film like right. noise. That's, there's that's a, yeah. I don't read that as blurry, but whatever. There's a We're Reddit not gonna be thread. To... There's a Reddit thread that has a lot of capture of Murrah, if I'm saying that right, through the shot through the lens and mm-hmm. Redditors, like in a lot of things have captured better visually than I can describe it. PSVR 2, Murrow Through the Lens. If you search for that on Reddit, you'll see examples of people capturing it. So you can watch it on a flat screen to see if that's what you're seeing within your headset. I'd recommend starting there and seeing if that describes what, what you're seeing. Cool. As always, our advice is Google it. You're, you know, no, Reddit it. Reddit it. Google, the <laughs> Google right. algorithm has been broken. Google right. you has Google so Reddit. bad. It's, yeah. it's gone downhill. That's why I've moved <laughs> on to Bing and it's AI overlords. Um. <laughs> Not All me. Right. They try to kill me for bumping them off the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But I got to say, this has been a blast of an episode. John Warren, thank you so much for being here. Thank you all. Really enjoyed having you. Tell the folks where they can keep up with you and the stuff that you do online. Oh, gosh. Uh, you can find me over at Floppy Adult. Floppy Adult is basically everywhere you can find me. Uh, yes, I am the proprietor of Honeybee Rodeo. So if you have a consulting gig you're interested in, just uh, g- get at me, John at honeybeerodeo.com. Uh, but yeah, uh, I also have Patreon, patreon.com slash Floppy Adult. That's where I do my games media stuff. I have a podcast called The Sunday Scroll. It just started. I had a great conversation with Gita Jackson and Kyle Orland and uh, other stuff so it was uh it's a blast it's a it's a chill experience very sunday stroll easy sunday morning kind of vibes next episode airs on march 26th thanks for having me this has been a blast awesome very cool christian spicer what about you we get what do you got going on christian spicer.com it's where you can find things including things that happen between episodes when embargoes uh perhaps end uh between episodes I will also post a blog on my website if it takes place perhaps between episodes um, where you can read about it there, hypothetically. Then I have a newsletter where I write long form about games, tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer, where you can subscribe for free. And David Chen and I have wrapped up our decoding TV series about the first season of HBO's The Last of Us. So you can find that wherever you want. We did an extra bonus episode at the end. And also my bonus discussion on the official The Last of Us feed. Um, We did an extra episode. Neil Druckmann and I talked after the season about all the things where we could talk spoilers and this, that, and the other. That episode has since come out as well. So if you're jonesing for a little more T-Lou, I got you covered. Give him a listen. Right on. Uh, I also do a show with that, David Chen. It is called The Filmcast. 
Uh, we talked a little Last of Us uh, on our uh, After Dark episode. Uh, we talk about movies and TV shows there. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. I also do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns with Anthony Carboni. Uh, it's good fun. You can learn something and laugh along the way. And I do a sports show called The Fan Controlled Show. Uh, you can find that on fan controlled sports and entertainments of various channels across uh, YouTube and uh, all of the audio places. Uh, check them out. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled two N's and one T. And DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you email us here. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. John, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I, I do. I'm going to I'm going to suggest an album you should listen to. Uh, I'm a big fan of Caroline Polachek. She is a great art pop artist. She has an album out now called Desire. I want to turn into you. It's very good. Um, I'm just a big fan of like she's she's like 20 days older than I am. And I just she's got an energy about her that's very youthful and fun and exciting. And I really want to like I want to end my 30s the way that she is. It's a great album. You should listen to awesome. it. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's one of my favorites. That is called Desire I Want to Turn Into You by Caroline. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Christian Spicer, what about you? Got a party gift? L.A. specific, and then I'll generalize it. Uh, we went to the Broad here in L.A., which is a modern art, contemporary art museum. Um, oh, yeah. Here in, here in Los Angeles. That I have been meaning to go to, but never did. It's one of those things, like, when you live in the city, you don't do the touristy things. Because, like, I don't, I won't, I'm never going to go to the Walt Disney Concert Hall because I live here and I could go whenever I want. When am I going to go? Never. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we made a point to go to the Broad, and it was incredible and it, you know, all of all of the things are, you know, that you've read about are there are there and the exhibits are great and fantastic. And I will generalize that to say, dear listener, again, Jeff and our private podcast feed here. Um, <laughs> seek out seek out that in your town, whether it's the modern art, contemporary art, pop art exhibit, the museum, the thing, the thing that, you know, is there that you haven't been to since the zoo, whatever it is. Take the moment, go to it, enjoy it, because most of the time. In my opinion, those things aren't really for the tourists, especially in art museums and contemporary art museums. It's a lot of uh, local artists and artists who work in the area, and it can broaden, at least for me, it broadened my ideas and exposure to the world and the artistic world that I am a part of, and I left feeling richer and fuller because of it. Very, very cool. Uh, my parting gift is an announcement, announcement, announcement. If you're a patron and you listen to the Wednesday paid DLC program, you already know what's coming. But if not, huge announcement, Lana Bashinsky and myself are starting a DLC book club. My secret desire to be a booktuber pew, 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 pew. Is, uh, pew, pew, pew. is coming to fruition. Uh, Lana and I are going to start uh, talking about books, reading. I love reading. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I haven't done enough of it in the last few years because I've been a dad and I just like, it just got pushed in the side. And so I'm going to focus on reading more. And in order to make sure that happens, Lana and I are <laughs> going to start doing a, 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 a read along, a book, book club. And the first books that we're going to do uh, are the Malazan Books of the Fallen. These are Stephen Erickson's grand epic 
fantasy series, a 10-book series. It starts with Gardens of the Moon. That's the first book that we're going to do in our book club. Uh, these have often been cited as, as two things. One, the greatest fantasy series ever written. And B, the most difficult fantasy series ever written to get into. The perfect first book. Perfect first book. We're starting (laughs) climbing that mountain. This is a book that I've had on my Goodreads to read list for like a decade. Uh, I've been wanting to to read this story. I've just been intimidated by it. But we're jumping in and we're going to do it. If you want to join us, if you want to be part of that... I'm going to get the details as soon as we figure them out. But the point is you can start getting (laughs) gardens of the moon and start getting ready to read it. We're going to have like, we're going to have, you know, keep, keep motivated through it. We're going to have these resources. There's a bunch of resources online that I've found uh, for people that, you know, have a hard time getting into these books. This first book, evidently very difficult to get into, although I'm 20% into it and I'm loving it already. Uh, Loving it, loving it, loving it. So uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Lana loves talking about books and she and I are, we're just going to, we're just excited. We may have five viewers. We may have zero viewers. The point is we're doing it for us and we want to invite you to come along for the ride. So, uh, you know, Gardens of the Moon by Steven Erickson. That's the first book we're going to do. The Malazan Books of the Fallen is the series. And uh, stay tuned here for more information about when our first uh, video talking about it will happen. Uh, you know, Atlanta's at GDC next week and I'm at Disneyland. And we're starting after that. But uh, I want to get people a head start. If you want to get started on the book, join us. Because reading is fundamental. All right. We also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This comes to us from Jacob. Jacob writes, my parting gift is an ongoing YouTube series called Extreme Tech Upgrade by Linus Tech Tips. It's a $5,000 home tech upgrade sponsored by Intel and recently AMD for various people on the LTT staff. They can spend money on computers, monitors, and speakers, but also more out-of-the-box purchases like 3D printers and foot massagers. The real fun is learning about each person's home life as Linus helps set up the new equipment and lovingly roasts them for their more questionable, it's fine because I'm the one using it, choices. There's enough variety of setups and personalities that it makes for an endlessly entertaining series. Have a great week. Jacob. Man, that sounds fun. That sounds cool. Uh, extreme Tech Upgrade by Linus Tech Tips. That, that sounds like somebody's smarter. I'm making a book YouTube, and somebody's like, I'm going to make one where someone gives me $5,000 to spend on myself. <laughs> this is why, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, listen, Linus can afford it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is why I'm yeah. still doing this after 15 years. And, uh, <laughs> Linus is doing better than me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. We'd love to hear your recommendations of all kinds of stuff. Send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. Uh, but we're going to wrap up the show. Thanks again to John E. Warren and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those great bumpers. Thanks to our theme song composers, White Cube, which is T. Ryan Arnold and Jason Sherry. Thanks to uh, Jesse J. Anderson for setting up DLCSwag.com, which is the place you can get all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, I'm told not hats, but mugs, mugs, shirts, shirts, definitely shirts, stickers. Yeah. 
dlcswag.com. Check it out. I also want to thank our patrons for making this show possible. Thank you for supporting us. We couldn't make it without you. Our top tier, our hype train level patrons get their names read out at the end of every episode. And Christian's going to do that right now. Come on, y'all. It's hype train time. Gonna get on that hype train time. It doesn't work when you say the same word and you rhyme the same word with the same word, but you gotta get on the hype train coming down the track. It starts off with energy. See, I can hit it and then we just gotta keep, hey, hype train patrons, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Taylor Wigert, Josh Peak, Nick Strauss Klein, Michael Stadler, Jackson, Travis, Soren Silk, Yick, Zachary White. This is why Jeff puts that like epic music under it, right? And it's like, bon, dun, dun, bon, dun, bon, dun. I'm going to steal that from him. Next time, if I don't, next time, but the next time after, then that, 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 bon, bon. just picture it this time, okay? Nate, Jenny, Scott Hughes, it's building, it's building. Jimmy Radcliffe, like things are just, oh, it's, it's, it's like you're, uh, you're watching Gladiator or something, you know? <laughs> Mitchell Ness, Jeff Luxack, Matt Bradley, Victor Venezuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S., Relentless Rex. Like, the Halo music is just pounding in from everywhere. Curtis from Louisville, comedian Aaron Trahan, Sheru Kent, Scott Lambert, Joe DeFrank, Stephen T., Cypher. Now it's like, shh, it's quieting down a little bit. But just kidding, it comes back again because the fireworks are going off. Musical fireworks are exploding everywhere. Tyler, Buckwild, Brode, Dwayne T. Robinson. More fireworks. You thought they were done. They're going to keep going. Rob, Wonder Rob, Dominguez, Kevin Eddy, Brian Yordan, Hyperboy66, David Epp, John Sisko, Matt Valdez, Andy Joyce, Anthony Goulas. Now it's like the wave. You're at a stadium and the wave is happening. It's just people can't contain themselves. It's just infectious, right? It's just, again, an auditory wave. So it's not not like the actual like, whoa, noise they make, but like the feeling of a stadium doing the wave, what that would sound like, right? Dan Flanagan, Sasan, Adam Denby, Scooby Diesel. Jonathan Talbert, Chris Zacharias, Will with 1L Harris, Jonathan Putney, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Ben, Kevin Brazel, Stu Goss, Jonathan, Spiceman Forever, Schlepplefer, Albert for Herod Dios, Spiceman Silencer. The wave stopped because we respect the silence. But then it picks back up again with Michael Lombardo, Michael Buck. And now we're just moving on to waves crashing against rock. The force of nature against nature, knowing that erosion is going to happen and this strong, formidable thing can't withstand the crushing weight of water hitting against it. Again, the sound of that, the sound of that feeling. Peter Olberg, Jad, Christian Bravery, Octavian Ratziu, Jason Novak. And that's the energy that's the music you heard under this hype train. Thank you. Sincerely from the bottom of my heart, thank you so very much for supporting the show. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.